and as she stood there, barring him from returning to the club, all she could see were the wild eyes and blood-stained knuckles of a fighter and a drunkard. This wasn't her father anymore. She stared at his fists, clenching and unclenching in a constant rhythm, and felt a sickness well up inside her. In that moment, he seemed so disgusting, so absolutely wretched, it was as if the ugliness of all those African wars was seeping out of him. Later, she realized that the Englishman had been Simon Mann, and that her father had been involved in the attempted coup on Equatorial Guinea. Somehow, Jean-Luc had avoided the group arrests in Zimbabwe and had headed north to the Rwandan-Congo border. Now his unit was stationed there, flying helicopters in what was ostensibly a freighting business, but with all the contraband coming out of the eastern DRC each month, from diamonds to coltan, uranium to copper, it was all too obvious that he had become nothing more than a petty smuggler. It was nine years since that night in Cape Town, the last time Bear had spoken to her father. She had a new life now. She was married with a two-year-old son, and, most importantly, her family was something that he had never been a part of. But even after all that had happened, and all that he had done, she would still sometimes imagine introducing her son Nathan to his grandfather. But even as she imagined it, the dream would start to collapse. Her father was too far gone now, just another casualty of Africa's endless conflicts. Through the cockpit of the plane, Bear caught the faint imprint of a settlement rising above the flat horizon. Pulling back the control column, she set the Cessna climbing in a steep arc, pushing Bear back into her seat from the positive G. As the speed bled off, she clicked down the first stage of flap, then the second, turning the plane in a tight, slow circle above the settlement. She could see movement outside the open-cast mine itself, with the conveyor belts fanning out like arteries from the northern entrance to the outlying buildings. By flipping the plane onto its other axis, she was able to see the crater from the explosion. It had blown outwards in a massive but near-perfect circle. Reaching into her flying bag on the rear seat, she pulled out a small Lumix camera and took five shots in quick succession— from altitude, it looked like the lab complex had been just beyond the explosion's reach. It had been close. Two hundred feet below the circling plane, three men stood beside a white Toyota pickup truck. All were dressed in khaki shirts with matching shorts and socks pulled up to just below their knees. Despite the scorching sun, none of them wore hats. They stood squinting into the cobalt blue sky, following the plane as it passed the windsock and came into land. They heard the propeller speed change in pitch. Then, with a tiny spray of dust kicking up from the rear wheels, the plane touched down. A few seconds later, it came to a standstill on the far side of their truck. The three men moved round the vehicle, their eyes fixed on the interior of the plane as Bear got out, trying to keep her knees as close together as possible. I don't believe it, the largest of the men said to no one in particular, his voice thick with an Africana accent and a lifetime of smoking. They sent in that fucking Kaffir woman again. He pulled himself to a halt, the others drawing up behind him, and crossed his forearms over his rotund belly. 
The natural scowl on his sun-damaged face deepened as his gaze moved upward from Bear's ankles and rested somewhere in the vicinity of her crotch. He nodded slowly, his tongue moving over his lips as if wetting the glue on a roll-up cigarette. As Bear opened the rear door of the Cessna and pulled out a large canvas bag, Wilhelm squared off his shoulders a little more. You know, we have this all under control, don't you? He called out to her. Any idiot can see what happened. The compressors have gone. So you want to tell me why the hell head office have sent a little girl to inspect my mine? The man on his left gave a crooked smile, taking a packet of reds from his breast pocket and tapping the filter a couple of times. Putting the cigarette in the corner of his mouth, he fished out a zippo from his trouser pocket and went to click it open.